Hi, and welcome to the Dewing Grain podcast. Dewing Grain are independent and local grade traders. From seed supply to harvest movement and storage contracts, they can offer you the best strategies to achieve the highest prices for your harvest. Each week on our podcast, we begin with the Dewing Grain Market Report, giving you up-to-date information and analysis, followed by Farm Chat, where we catch up on agricultural issues with a guest or two while sampling a beer. Andrew's favourite bit. So let's start with Andrew Dewing and this week's Market Report. Welcome to the Market Report. What follows are my thoughts or gut instincts on what the market is going to do. It is not an instruction to trade. Any decision to trade is yours. Market report for week commencing 13th of February 2023. Right, so this week the farm chat is Webby and Ben left alone with the mic. I was not about and those two just sat there and goodness knows what they run on about. I've got no idea, haven't heard it yet, so I just hope it's polite and nice and loves everybody. Anyway, including me. Right, oilseed rape. £470 a tonne for March. We are secretly going to close our eyes and use the magical pixie dust and dream that it's going to go back up to 500 again. Seems nothing much to lose. European oil markets are kind of in the doldrums with other world oil markets. And I've got absolutely no rhyme, reason or any form of intelligence that says it will go up there. But hey, what the hell? This little last bit you got to sell, just blindly believe and go for it. And if we end up trading at 440, I'm very, very sorry. Your call, obviously. But, you know, death or glory on this one, boys and girls. Moving on to old crop feed wheat. Current value for March X farm wheat 228, 229 for April and May. I'm not paying any more for May because I've already got too much of it. 232 for June, encouraging some of you just to hold it one more month. 235 for July. So those are bigger prices than we've seen. A week and a half ago, the May futures were trading at 223, and the X farm value was the best part of 20 quid lower than where I've just bid you. So we have seen a big rally in a short space of time, and you have to ask yourself why, and predominantly is a bit of sentiment, an old Vlad saber-rattling with his corridor closing. I'll come on to that in a minute. So those are the values of X-Farm wheat. If you look at feed barley at the same time, very much lacking friends at the moment. It is trading at a big discount to wheat, 20-odd quid discount to wheat. So current March X-Farm value, 203. So that would put that at £25 under. And I, I understand to a consumer, feed barley trades at 24 under the other day. So it really, really is at the moment not got many friends. Malting barley, old crop. If you've got a surplus, left and you got good storage i don't think today's the day to sell it to be honest i appreciate that the feed wheat markets rallied and the whole market's a bit firmer across the board but i think depending on what quality you've got obviously and what variety i think it was a champagne year for the quality and i think at the tail end of the season if the weather's misbehaving a bit on the developing crop the high retained good nitrogen nice quality barley nice and dry is will possibly tempt one or two people to come in and put it into store so all is not lost if you can bear in mind that when you first planted it the plan was to make like 210 or something of it it's going to be in excess of that but it's just depends how long you want to keep it there depends how much risk you want to take doing it etc etc you you know all the rules and the parameters moving on to new crop let's start with feed wheat 
current futures are trading 2.32. So we are paying 212 delivered to our store for harvest immediate movement, which is 202x, as I explained last week. That's 10 quid for haulage. If the farmer can get the haulage done for less money than that, then sell us delivered. What I don't want to be doing is chasing for lorries at harvest time. It is a misery and we can't always achieve what we promise. So, you know, doing what I, what I say I'm going to do, moving it immediately the day you cut it, won't boil down to the store not being available for you. It will boil down to getting some sort of vehicle to get it here, which is not getting any better, as everybody knows. So harvest is 212 delivered. So X farm for September, a big jump, 215X September. So it's worth having a stall just temporarily if you can have the whole of September. 217 for October, 218 for Nov, and then a pound a month on. So which would make May 24, 224X. It is not worth carrying wheat from November to May for just one pound a month, depending on whether you've got a bank loan or not. Certainly it isn't with that. But the dynamic of storing grain, blowing it, keeping an eye on it, risking bugs, etc., it is a lot more money than six pounds a ton in real life so the dynamic of that will change as the year goes on but at the moment it's a six pound spread so if you're going to sell a new crop you might as well sell nov if the spread then goes out later in the year you can phone up your merchant and say look if i swap my stuff from a november contract to a may contract give you some money for storage and the spread's gone out to 10 quid or 12 quid then he should reward you with the difference and be happy with it so most of you should understand what i'm running on about there Million wheat premiums are great on new crop. No one's selling them flat priced because there's no need to. There is clearly going to be a demand for it. It's a lot more money to grow that product. So yeah, I kind of will mention it on a weekly basis, but I think anyone growing million wheat knows the score. It's going to cost you a lot to grow it. It's a big risk to do it. And if the £60 premium or whatever it turns out to be should reward you for your efforts. Which leads on to malting barley for new crop. Current value for harvest movement, perfect 1.6 nitrogen lorry or Diablo with us, we would currently be at 250 plus, you know, somewhere 250, 255, maybe somewhere in that region for perfect stuff. X Farm. Big price for very low nitrogen barley. There's a good demand for barley next year, and how many acres less spring barley is there going in the ground? That's the question. Clearly, there was a very good autumn. There's lots more wheat there, which is another thing. that The amount of wheat in the ground is relevant to what we're going to talk about in a minute about old crop wheat and new crop and differences. So I think that malting barley, you're in a strongish position. Prices are good. Right, moving on. The thing I just want to talk about this week is I'm going to give some people in the trade who, those old in the tooth who know this is coming, who understand the market, you know, you just go to sleep now. But some of you youngsters who might just be still switched on and one or two farmers, I'm going to tell you about a dynamic that is going to occur. And you can pull me up on this in July if you want and say, you're an idiot, you're completely wrong. But I don't think I'm going to be completely wrong. I'm going to call something. If you took the value of july futures wheat in the uk and they haven't traded yet there's no open position on july but in the end they will trade at two or three pound premium to the may because it's naturally a later month and it might even trade at parity with may but let's assume it's a two pound premium to it the current july futures value would be 242 Okay, so as a storekeeper, I could sell, in theory, July wheat, 242, I get paid for it in July, and someone's got to pick it up by the end of the month, or they get penalty rents, right? November wheat, as I record, is 233, so it's a £9 premium for the July. This is what's going to happen. When we get to mid-July, we are going to see the difference between July and November to be inverse. In other words, it will be, I reckon, in the region of £20 discount for the July wheat to the new crop. 
And the reason I'm calling that is old crop wheat, in my opinion, is heading for a real car crash. There is a million ton surplus not spoken for. Yes, there's lots of boats in the short term. People are fighting to buy wheat from farm and farmers are reluctantly selling it, offering it a bit more money. It's a great opportunity to sell it, get it out of your hands and the trade are fighting for it. And at this point, let's be really clear also, if Vlad decides to close the corridor, the whole market's going to go up. So you're going to judge my statements upon price. I could be completely undermined by Vlad closing the corridor, pushing the prices of wheat up across the board, which I expect to happen at some point during the spring stroke early summer. He's going to do it at some point because he can and it will hurt the West. But after he's shifted a whole load more wheat, he's posturing towards that now, which is part of the bullishness in the market. So the dynamic I'm talking about is the difference between old and new crop and the fact that there's a million tons unsold. If we keep selling boats, which we hopefully can, we're reasonably competitive. If we keep selling boats out of the UK, the million ton surplus will diminish. But the dynamic of the UK farmer at the moment, not really engaging. He doesn't want to sell at this side of the tax year end. Yet again, there'll be a people offended at that. But the reality of life is there is money that's been made. Push it into next tax year if you possibly can. That's what people are going to do. Farmers are long holders and they are really, really quite comfortable, right? They are content, which is fine. But the dynamic is they feel Vlad might close a corridor, market might go up. What I'm saying is there is a build up and a build up and a build up of stock that isn't moving. My future stores are not moving. There's fresh wheat in my stores I will tender in May. And there's other people around the country who've got stores registered who will also tender in May. And whoever owns those futures will have to physically pay for them and physically move them by the end of July. And that will be the last stuff to move versus the farm wheat that then is piling out the doors because unlike the last time we had a big carry between old and new crop the following crop is not going to be a 10 million ton crop like it was i think 2019 this is going to be another 15 16 million ton crop that's got to go somewhere so there isn't a lot of capacity for people to say okay i'll carry that store because i need to have that space for the commitment we've made on new crop to our store members and the people who we guarantee movement to and the service levels we provide so yeah okay got a shed i can keep but the holcomb store the aylsham store the cantley store they're going to need to be completely empty ready for what's coming at us for this harvest so the dynamic is the pressure builds on the person who's got the stock in the future store and he realizes he can't move it in time she phones me up and he goes, oh, look, you know, uh, can we do a little deal on carrying into new crop? No, I need that for malting barley space or feed wheat space for next year. You're going to get a big penalty rent. I mentioned that last week. It's a big waving flag. Beware, don't own futures, because when it gets to July, it will still be in store and you will be in trouble with it because there's nowhere for it to go. And that is the point. That is why when it gets to mid-July, the choices are, I've got to move it. The rules are, you have to pay penalty rents determined by the store for the 1st of August onwards. They might give us two days grace or three days grace, but not much. And certainly if we have an early harvest like last year, well, it'd be a, not a car crash, it'd be a lorry crash. So yeah, the pressure is building. And I think, so on the basis of that, whoever owns those things are going to have to get rid of them. And the best market is going to either be me, if I say, yeah, okay, I'll take it off you, or someone else physically taking a store on to absorb the tonnage. And I don't think there's enough stores out there to cope. So you heard it here first. For those of you who don't understand it, I think probably May, June, July, car crash. The prices of wheat in the UK relative to new crop will come down dramatically. Whether the price is up, because of Vlad or because the weather is utterly appalling on new crop, that's a separate issue altogether. 
stand up at a meeting and say this, and they go, you said the market was coming down, it went up. I'm saying the dynamic of the value of your wheat, if you're hoping it's going to go up, you've got two things on your side. One is Vlad, two is the weather being hideous for new crop, which in itself is bad for you anyway. So let's be clear. So if you hold on, that's what you're hoping for. In the meantime, the dynamics of the actual value of the market is old crop wheat has got nowhere to go or not enough places for it to go for there to be a sensible tail end of the season market. So there, if you work all that out, you'll make lots of money. I've I've called a £29 turnaround in values and it's up to you to take advantage of it. Anyway, there's my charity for the day. Have a lovely week's trading and I hope those two boys don't talk too much nonsense. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Please remember that any decision to trade on this opinion is yours. Brown & Co. are excited to introduce the scale-up phase of the Future Farming Resilience Fund. This DEFRA-funded project enables Brown & Co. to provide free, on-farm tailored support to farmers across all of England until March 2025. We have worked with hundreds of farmers over the past two years, delivering the initial phases of this project, and have widened our support offer as a result of farmer feedback. We believe the choice we offer farmers is unique, with land, planning, environmental, commercial and agribusiness divisions all under one roof. We provide professional advice across a range of disciplines delivered from our in-house teams. Whether it is finding a commercial use for a disused barn, investigating planning potential, managing business finances, working collaboratively with neighbours, optimising environmental income streams, producing a greenhouse gas footprint, or discussing your business options going forward, Brown & Co can support you on this journey. If you would like to find out more or sign up to the scheme, please email defraffr at brown-co.com or call 01480-598-869 and ask to speak to a member of the team. Okay, so today's market chat is uh, just Ian Webster and me. The uh, dream team, sort of, (laughs) or part of the dream team. The dynamic duo. (laughs) Hello, Ian. Morning. Right, so it's been a bit of a funny week, hasn't it? Yeah, I, we've blown hot and cold with it, hasn't it? We felt early part of the week there was a huge amount of hype, probably false hype, surrounding a vessel destined for US. And Now, so. careful what you say, Ian, because this has really got a lot of people talking. Yeah, well, it appeared in a report, didn't it, last Friday? Apparently, Apparently. allegedly. And it's been doing the rounds, and no one's putting their hand up to it. How big was the vessel? I don't know about size, but I'm assuming it's got to be a biggie. It's got to be... twenty fifty. Don't know. Anyway, yeah. 25 to 50. UK feed wheat rumoured to be going to the US. Yeah. But several in the know are saying that it is miles away from calculating. And so, I don't know, you can say there's no smoke without fire. But we all know that we can see it in our markets that the export boys are bidding aggressively. And there is a Feb, March and April kind of window where there seems like there's a lot of activity. Yeah. But I think maybe that might be a bit of a far stretch, possibly. But certainly the vessel got things going. And then I think, as you say, the market got a bit self-fulfilling. People got excited. There were some, you know, relatively speaking, some decent bids about into ports for feed yeah, wheat. Yeah, well, it goes back to my point. It's trying to buy the physical hasn't been that easy. It's made easier now that the market's up 10 to 15 quid. Um, and you're, oh, this is a little bit off pace, um, a bit too aggressive, but you're not far off 230 for May X Farm, which is a respectable price. Certainly respectable from where it was just yeah. after Christmas. Oh, we're bidding 210. 210, yeah. And I think, you know, 
I mean, the futures market has had a fairly decent rally, but the main thing that seems to be lacking still is consumer demand. Yeah, well, that's the thing that's worried us in the last mm. couple of days. We spoke to a friend within the compounding uh, trade, and you know, he was maybe spinning us a line, but saying, you know, he's close to being done, and that's like, oh blimey, you know, first week of Feb, and you're done. That's worrying. Yeah, that certainly spooked me a bit when I heard that. But it makes sense because we know there's been a lot of rolling because of lack of demand and low cash estimates, all sorts of stuff going on but yeah the fob seems to be where the life is at Mm. but is there going to be enough potential for fob to get rid of the surplus surplus doesn't feel like it especially as you say we're only seeing the demand sort of feb march april after that it's tailed off hasn't it and may is going to be the problem month as everyone tries to get themselves tidies. So then, yeah, so we had that. And then, obviously, Wednesday, we had the infamous WASDA. Don't ask to quote me on what the numbers <laughs> were. I did actually get hauled up by uh, a friend in the trade who listened to our previous podcast that was out literally the minute of the report. And he oh, yeah, said, yeah. Webby, the numbers you gave were a load of bollocks. <laughs> I was like, I blame my source being Twitter. So uh, Yeah, I must admit, you are phenomenally quick onto Twitter. Yeah. It is good, and I was just speaking to someone in the trade this morning about it. You know, there, there is snippets of good information on there, but you have to be a bit careful. Okay, so. all right. So, in a nutshell, the USDA was essentially neutral to slightly bearish. Well, the fact that none of the markets did anything at all, it was, yeah. But it's again against, and I was actually on the phone to uh, someone at the time of the report in the trade, and he was looking at the bean number, and I think the bean number got trimmed back quite a bit. Mm. But I'm assuming it can't have been that far out of the trade expectations from the market activity, because it just every market was flat, wasn't it? Really flat. A little bit of a rally overnight, but then the markets are flat again. And the only other bit of news we saw was the news out of the Kremlin. Oh, yeah. It was one of Putin's... It was a, uh, it was a foreign minister That's or right. something. Who said what? Well, he basically came out and he said that, not using his exact words, but Putin is pissed off that grain has been going to the wrong countries, it's been going to Europe, and that it was not what it was out to achieve, and that he's going to review the, the current corridor. deal. Yeah. I mean, linked in with that, which is interesting, is that we also saw an interesting story out of Reuters about Hungary saying, we're pissed off. Because we've got lots of cheap Ukrainian wheat, barley, sunflower coming into our country, undermining our farmers. I think, yeah, I mean, you say they're pissed off, but I think it's actually for some of them under, hasn't it? As in some of the farming businesses have gone under as a result. That was something that I read somewhere. but But how ironic is that? Yeah, but it's the Ukrainian is featured for a while, but it's um, been distressed selling, hasn't it? Mm, yeah. yeah, you've just had farmers over there who just need cash. Yeah. And, you know, it's not like they're going to be flat out drilling into the new crop, because we know a lots of them aren't. Mm. But I think they just want to get the crop out, get some money in, and then, blimey, have a bit of a think about what they do mm. next. But that whole Hungary thing was, because obviously Viktor Orban, who is the president of Hungary, I mean, he is a funny one. He's in the EU, but I don't think he fully believes in it. It's been quite a choppy week, hasn't it? Yeah. And we start the week feeling bullish, and now, from a demand side, I feel it's a bit unnerving, some of the things that are happening occurring. It's kind of changing your view on it. What's happening in the domestic market is unnerving, I agree, in terms of lack of demand, rumours that people are selling delivered wheat at fairly cheap prices. Yeah. In the May-June position, you know, I think that is a signal. Well, there will be undoubtedly trade longs that need to find homes for the week, don't they? Yeah. Get on with it now, because you might not be able to do it in two, three months' time. Mm. 
So, I mean, new crop we have a different view on. There's still a lot to play for there. But well, we haven't completely finished the new crop, so to... Old crop, you mean? Uh, old crop, sorry. Yeah. You know, the real curveball, though, is the Putin effect. You know, he can still do something, and the sentiment to that would be a bullish moment. Yeah, and it would be very bullish yeah. in the short term. Short term kind of supply or uh, what grain is available where will change quite dramatically. So it will be instantly, UK wheat could look very cheap. Yeah, yeah, and be a real buy. Yeah. Uh, and you're right, Webby, of course, you know, the Putin effect, the grain corridor, they are, and what we now are probably only, what are we, 12 days, 12 days from the anniversary? Jesus, pretty mad, isn't it? We talked about this in the last podcast, you know, is the anniversary relevant? I mean, it's a little bit obvious, you're kind of, mm. everyone's expecting that, surely you do something before or after. Yeah, but I mean, he's talking about, as you've said, bombing the Ukrainians to the negotiating table. I mean, if he's going to do that, it's going to have to be brutal, isn't it? I wonder if he takes out an export facility. Well, two birds of one stone, isn't there? You affect the grain corridor because agricultural exports are where Ukraine are at. Yeah. But, I mean, I don't think his guided missiles are very precise. <laughs> he just fires them and... Yeah. Trope a week, old crop, a new crop. Oh, Darius, I don't think we're alone in this because I've been, again, another friend. It's not like I've been speaking You've the trade You've got a lot of friends week, in the grain trade, haven't yeah. you? Friends. <laughs> grain trade friend. Yeah. <laughs> don't think we're alone in it, but people aren't picking up new crop. I don't think we, as a team, we don't have courage in our convictions that it would be the right thing to be aggressively nudging farmers to sell it. There's um, still a lot of stories, especially weather. Yeah. And if we're going to touch on weather, let's talk about, well, a couple of things. Domestically in the UK, the next two weeks is looking dry. It did look like in a week's time there was three days of rain, but that mm. seems to have gone. So that's dry. Further forward is looking a bit dry. Loads of people have been saying, this is a really boring chat, isn't it? But land drains haven't been running throughout the whole of the winter. You know, that's a worry. If you go into a dry spring, yeah, where's the residual mm. moisture? So Yeah, what's going to get... Things. And then um, our uh, resident meteorologist, Joseph Beardshaw. Wow, yeah. Who is uh, incredibly read up on weather patterns. So Joe goes to a whole other level. We don't always follow it. And he knows his terminology. And, but yeah, the comment he came out with the other day, and someone else has repeated, but is the polar vortex, isn't it? Yeah. It's, so very, very cold air. Very warm air high up in the atmosphere. Yeah. Which forces the cold air down quickly. Sounds about right, yeah. Okay, good. You see, I listened. What? Another beast from the east. Yeah, yeah, but if we don't have the snow covering at very cold temperatures, mm. that's dangerous. Yeah. That's what my missus calls me, the beast from the east. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Pretty sure she doesn't. <laughs> yeah, so bees from these, you know, is that a bullish story? No, I don't think it is. I mean, if it comes with the snow... If it comes with the know, snow... It's, it's a blanket over the crop, it's fine. But no snow and sharp frozen temperatures, no moisture. Yeah, OK, that's a, that's that's a different story. story, isn't it? Yeah. And it's relatively dry in Europe, but Europe seems to be okay at the minute um and crop prospects look pretty good they do oh, most yeah. places yeah but then again you know we've beaten this drum a little bit but what is a normal weather pattern there's an anomaly well very regularly now every year we'll see something mm. there are still issues in south america argentina has had some rain but not enough mm. brazil's had too much they're actually behind mm. On their soya bean harvesting. And planting of the safrina. Yeah. Right. And the States is dry. Yeah. So there's enough bubbling away there to give that new crop market a few angles, I think. Yeah, I think that's where it's at for us. And, and we discussed it in the office here, haven't we? But new crop going to premium to old. Mm. Oh, no, that's always an interesting one, isn't it? Yeah. Well, and it's got it... the makings of it. If no one has the appetite for old or the demand's not there... Mm. 
you know, there's life in you. So, Do you carry it over? What do you carry it over at, Ian? Well, I think your sentiment's very different if you're in the trade and you're paying storage and cost of finance, you know, very crudely, probably £20 a tonne okay. premium. But on farm, probably less. Yeah, a lot less. Yeah, I think farmers will carry it on sentiment alone, regardless of what the carry is. Yeah. If that makes any sense, what I've just said there. That, you know, if we look at it as selling old versus new, I suppose if a farmer, not that it's that accessible to them, but they could flog the old and buy new crop futures. That's a good way of doing it. Yeah, that's Achieves a good Achieves the same outcome, but not many have got futures accounts, or probably rightly so, because it's very... <laughs> <laughs> Imagine the farming community managing margin calls. Yeah, so I think that's an interesting dynamic. If new goes to a premium to old, that puts a whole different spin on the market, definitely. But yeah, before we get to that stage, we have what the hell is going to happen in Ukraine? What is Putin going to do? A weather market. And, you know, there are feed wheat exports going on. Ports are busy, yeah, aren't yeah. they? There's no yeah. two ways about it. They do. The two million ton surplus has got to go. And I mean, the question mark, we are way away from this, but have we done, are we a million tons into the two million ton line oh, surplus? Is that in the lineup already? Don't know. Yeah. I mean, it feels like we've done enough. I mean, what else are we sort of seeing? Oilseed rapes had a decent rally. Needed to. Needed to. Certainly. In the 470s, is it? Yeah, yeah, you're in your 470s X farm. What do we think? I mean, it's broken the short-term downward trend. There's a longer-term downward trend. It hasn't quite broken yet. But, you know, it's only 10 euros away from doing that. And as we've been looking at those charts, you know, you look at the soybean chart, the canola chart. They have not dropped as much as Matif rapeseed. Yeah, I did see that. I didn't look at it in depth, but Canona mm. certainly didn't look to be quite as dramatic. No. It's fair enough. European rapeseed's been under pressure because there's obviously imports from Australia, Canada, and there has been whatever sunflower has been left in Ukraine has been coming into Eastern Europe at very, very cheap levels. But that market, so I think, you know, a little bit more of a rally on that market. There's probably some old crop that needs to get done and sold on that. 500's going to be the, um, I was going to use the word holy grail, it really isn't the holy grail, but the get out of jail cards yeah. of price, which I think people are looking for, aren't they? I think you're right. I think, you know, it's and it's a good one to do. And then again, you know, new crop rapeseed, there's more problems in that, definitely. And again, we're going to come back onto Ukrainian supply of sunflower, that's drying up, and these crops in South America fair. Mm, lots to play for. Yeah. Right, what else is going on, Ian? don't know. I'm just <laughs> racking my brains. What is there that's uh, else has occurred? I'm just trying to think. The political sphere. Nothing that exciting. Nothing that exciting. I mean, obviously, I think sugar beet all has to be done by the 20... Yeah, this is a mad rush to get in for the 21st, which is swallowing up a lot of lorries in the area. Yeah. Yes, I know it's a bit of an East Anglia phenomenon, but past that, March haulage should be easier. Easier, yeah. Sugar beet yields and oh, the miseries of sugars and people even talk about rejections and things. Yeah, the conversation I kind of dread with growers at the moment. Not that it's you know relevant to us in terms of what we're trading, but... Uh, it has an impact, though. Sympathise with what's going on, really. Yeah. Wider economy, I think, what are we seeing? Uh, currencies are relatively stable. There's nothing dramatic happening there. America seems to be weathering a recession better than anyone. I mean, they're saying that we're going to have a softer landing than we thought, but even so, I think um, we've got energy prices going up in April. Not that that'll affect you, Ian, with your massive solar farm. Self-sufficient. Which you can see from space, yeah. (laughs) It's a funny marketplace, and I think with the consumers saying things like they're mostly covered, yeah, there's a few alarm bells there. There could be an element of talking the book a bit. It could be. Could be. Your last thing you want to do if you've got 
you know, chunks to buy is, you know, telling everyone, oh, I've got shitloads to buy, you know, I'll be in the market, I'm going to be in there. So I don't think we're being spun a yarn. I kind of, I think that is reality. Mm. Well. well, and certainly, you know, we are cracking on, aren't we? You know, we're almost halfway through Feb now. Yeah, there's a lot of execution still to do. Yeah, there's, there is a long time, you know, March, April, May, June, July. Yeah, several months. Yeah, but as we've highlighted, the dangers there are... If it stays dry, you'll see old crop rally. Yeah. Putin in the grain corridor and, and his whole statement of, you know, whether he's going to bomb Ukraine to the negotiating table or not, you know. Still, if I was in grey shoes, I still think there's a big part of me that would hang my hat on 250x still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're not too far off that now. Right. 20 quid? 20 quid, yeah. Which, yeah, if you get a, a random bit of news, it could fly. Yeah, in a flash, yeah. What else said chat about your rem? You said to me earlier. Apparently, my wife told you that she enjoys us both on the podcast. No, she enjoys listening to me on the podcast, Ian. You? Yeah. She said to me the other day. She said, "Actually, I quite enjoy you on the podcast, Ben." And then she gave me a little wink, and I said, "All right, just leave it there." Sure, she? she didn't run out of things to talk about, and just it was like a <laughs> chuck out a sympathy, polite kind of. Like... No, she did it when you'd left the room, and it was yeah. uh, it was telling. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. Oh, hi Izzy, I'll just say hello. Does Bagpuss like listen to me? <laughs> no, no, she definitely doesn't. Uh, I think that's it for this week. Yeah, I think I can't think of anything uh, interesting. Or... We've covered the main points. I mean, oh, I'll tell you what is interesting. Sorry, we should mention this. Four Farmers and uh, yeah, Two that's, Ag. Yeah, the headlines have come out, haven't they? Kind of confirming what's been knocking around for a week or two, hasn't it? But yeah, it's been kicked into the long grass, hasn't it? Which, I mean, I've got to be careful what I say, but it's probably a good sign because that would have been a huge monopoly company, wouldn't it? On chicken feed? Yeah, I don't know. I've heard lots of pros and cons, and I think probably in the balance, some of the pros are... I mean, it depends on all the mills and the consumption points in Norfolk. Does it mean if it was all merged, less competition because there's less buyers? Don't know. But there you go, you know, the Monopolies and Mergers Commission have stepped in. Yeah, so Four Farmers and Two Ag have said, look, it's not worth it. We're not going to pursue it because you're asking too much, basically. You want us to do too much to guarantee the market freedom. I mean, you know, reflects onto the grain trade, doesn't it? Where there's enough players in the market, but you always wonder if there's enough. (laughs) Trying to be diplomatic there and not be like Andrew and start ranting. Yeah. That was quite a big piece of news. So, I mean, how that leaves the two of them, I don't know. Business as usual, I'd assume. Yeah. Yeah. But with reduced demand because of bird flu at the minute. Yeah. But obviously, yeah, yeah restocking's got to come back, hasn't mm. it? I must admit, news out of China. China's been very quiet. You know, normally you get a big story about China, but not a lot of the minute. No, I can't think of anything that's come out. Yeah. Just this once, they haven't got an outbreak of swine flu. They haven't reinfected us with COVID. Bizarrely, they seem to have weathered the storm of going in, opening up all their movements. Although you're never going to know how many Chinese actually died, are you? No, no. But yeah, they seem to be through it and, and operating as normal and demand there for various US ag products is high. So I don't know, maybe China, maybe China did get it right, although they infected everyone. Right, well, I think with that, we'll just say good luck with your trading week. Watch out for news headlines because they will swing markets. And, um, you know, Ian's got to get back to uh, being Izzy's beast from the east. Talking about beast in the east. Oh, God. Yeah, I did. Um, you lot were giving me a load of banter for being a fat pie eater. And 
I did accept <laughs> that uh, it got slightly wider and around my waistline. But yeah, I kind of dropped almost a stone in a fortnight. Well done. Without starving myself. No, you've had some pretty impressive salads. I've had some great lunches. Yeah. Amazing lunches. Yeah. The uh, <laughs> the chicken breast wrapped in bacon with a slither of cheese through the middle of it. With a nice salad. Chicken Caesar salad yesterday. All in the air fryer. Lovely. Unbelievable. Yeah. Chef Webby, everyone. I'm sure he'll give you lunch tips in his hang next on, podcast. Hang on. Oh, no. You just you complimented me about 20 minutes ago. You did. You made some potato wedges, and they were very good. They I have good, to say, yeah. great seasoning. Local Norfolk potatoes. Yeah, bought in by a friendly grower. Friendly grower. Um, yeah. And yeah, I had some like Italian herb mixes on the top. Cool. But molden salt. Now that's the secret. Molden salt. God, you love molden salt. I do you? love molden salt? And yeah, nice bit of pepper and some chili oil. Nailed it. There we go, everyone. If you want food ideas, Ian, Ian can email you his recipe. <laughs> anyway, right. Thank you, Webby. Cheers. Catch you later. Cheers. Bye. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to get new episodes as they are released, and follow us on Twitter. We are at Dewing Grain. Call Dewing Grain on 01263 731550 or email info at dewinggrain.co.uk. The Dewing Grain podcast is produced by East Coast Design Studio in Norwich.